Hey y'all, this is Kobe R. Rice and I'm back again for, I can't even call it a weekly update at this point. And I feel like I say that every single time, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I have not been here. I have not been back since whew, April 1st. So it's officially two months since I last came on and gave an update in any capacity, any shape or form. And I have to say, uh, it has been a really insane couple of months in many ways, shape, or form. Just to start off, hi, I'm Kobe R. Rice, novelist, uh, filmmaker, dramaturg, theater maker, producer, director, screenwriter, etc., etc. You know, you guys know the rest. And this is the epic, fantastical journey of a Black female sci-fi writer. Hi, and welcome to our literal dystopia. Um... <laughs> Where do I even start? I mean, it's like even a struggle now to like smile because of all the crazy things that are happening nowadays. But, um, you know, we do what we can in order to do what we must. And I guess there's no other way to start this than start at the very beginning, which is since I last talked to you guys, I think the last time I talked to you guys, we were on episode 105. Hold on, let me just double check and make sure. Yes, 105. And now welcome to episode 106. I am recording as of Monday, June 1st, 7.14 Eastern time, right after my day at work is over. And wow, last time I was on here, I was talking to you guys about having virgin brain in terms of like approaching everything as though I am a brand new mind and student and I literally think that the universe took me very seriously because I definitely got slapped up in many areas of life where I had no choice but to become a new student of my entire existence. And, you know, as you guys know, we have a whole epidemic happening in the world, etc. Uh, but that's not even close to the beginning of what is wrong in society and like just in life personally. So I'm just going to start from where I left off, which is creative projects have been kind of off and on for a variety of reasons. One of the main reasons is that I've been super busy at work. Um, we have a super, super packed and condensed schedule from Monday through Friday um, we get up for like a morning staff meeting and then we have our morning homeroom, which like, because I'm trying my best to, you know, instill a little bit of joy and, um, keep that social, that, that social culture and social sociality. I don't even, I can't even like word right today. I can't even speak correctly today, but just to inject a little bit of, um, just happiness into our daily routines, I've done a bunch of different little mini endeavors to make our homeroom time a little bit more special, um, which I think, I hope my kids really appreciate and are really into. But, um, you know, we have games, we play we play games, we do contests and things like that. They, they're eligible to win online gift cards. And so they seem to be pretty into that. And so I prepare for our homeroom every day after our morning staff meeting. We have homeroom. Then I launch into um, grading, 
we're now teaching live sessions for two to three hours twice a week. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have to teach my online live classes, um, which of course means you have to have slides prepared, demonstrations prepared, questions. You have to make sure you're managing the room correctly, etc. Then we have mountains. Oops, I think I hit the mic. Sorry about that. Then we have mountains and mountains of grading. Um, and then we have all these under other endeavors, like we call our we call our parents every single week, make sure they're doing okay. We check in with them just individually, personally, and then on top of that, we like make sure we have very fruitful, constructive discussions as to their particular child's or scholar's progress. So that has been filling up my day. So as that has become more and more of a busy schedule, oh, and we also have to have independent work, independent practice, homework and stuff for the kids to work on as well, in addition to like the live session work. So it's a lot going on, a lot jam-packed into a single day. Um, as you guys know, I also have a child. And so um, homeschooling her was definitely a major, major challenge in terms of being able to do that full-time and also my job full-time. So I was consistently exhausted, which that is not the way that this entire endeavor started out. <laughs> I started out like a little bit more flexible, being able to get a little bit more sleep. But then like literally by the end of it, I was just as busy, if not more so, um, working from home. So, you know, blessings and curses, but um, uh, sort of took all that in stride. And while I was taking all that in stride, a lot of my creative stuff, it didn't fall completely by the wayside, but I had to dedicate a little bit less time to it. Um, as I started to prioritize my sleep and my rest and my self-care over getting up super duper early to get certain things done creatively. I still got certain things done. For example, a lot of plot building, world building, um, working on two pilots now, the Ezekiel pilot and the Asylum pilot. So that's really exciting. Got a really lovely sort of head start rocket booster push on Asylum. And I'm really excited about that. I also worked a little bit on the other pilot I had been working on two months ago called Surrogate. And so in a certain way, even though like my journey is a little bit roundabout and, you know, things are kind of crazy, I'm still making that steady progress toward my goals this year, which are to produce four original TV pilots, one of one of which is based off of my own novel series, The Books of Ezekiel. Um, so yeah, that's really exciting. And then also to update and edit a pilot that I finished for graduate school. So that's coming along, not as quickly as I would like, but certainly coming along. And it's always stress-relieving and wonderful and exciting and a wonderful way to start my day. Anyway, to get into everything else, though, I have to admit, um, since I last spoke to you guys, a lot of crazy things really horrible things honestly have been happening just to the world, not just to me, but just to the world at large. Um, people have died by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands at this point in the United States of America and by the hundreds of thousands worldwide. And in the month of April, all of those chickens came home to roost. A lot of people in my life myself included, my colleagues, my peers, my friends, my students, we were losing a lot of people. 
A lot of people were passing away. A lot of people were hospitalized on their last hanging by a thread. A lot of people were suffering. And it was very challenging. And we recently lost a very dear, close friend to our family. And that really hit us very hard. Not just one, actually, we lost a couple of them. And that hit us really hard. Um, Made it very difficult to function for a little bit. And, you know, there's always some sort of silver lining, but it was very difficult to see at that time. Um, It's still kind of challenging to see. And that's just sort of the reality of being in quarantine in an epidemic for 83 days straight. And it's not just about the people who are dying and suffering. It's also about how the quality of life and the relationships that we have with those of us who are still living, how those are also impacted. And some of those impacts are positive. Others of those impacts are not so positive. So I found myself just personally, just being honest, my relationships with certain individuals have really tightened and have bonded like super fast. Like I know if the world were to explode right now on like some, well, it's already exploding, but you know what I mean? Like if everything were were completely to melt down, like walking dead style, I know exactly who I would roll with and who I would just be like, yo, you got to go find another crew because we're not gonna, we're not, it's not going to work. So having that knowledge and having those bonds has been great. And also going through the breaking of bonds has been very, very challenging and very hard for me. Um, And so the epidemic in and of itself, before we get into the George Floyd situation, which we will talk about on this channel. um, So just an FYI, if you have any problems with the Black Lives Matter movement, or if you just enjoy racism, or if you are not yet at the stage where you can have a very critical, important, interrogative perspective on your own privilege, no matter where you come from. If you're unable to do that at this point in time, I'm going to tell you right now that what you what's coming in this podcast is going to like offend you. So um, you might want to click off or unsubscribe. I'm not trying to push you out, but sometimes we need that space. Or just come back a little later when you feel like you're more ready to like challenge yourself. I'm trying to challenge myself in many ways. But at the same time, as you can see, I am Black. This is called the Epic Fantastical Journey. Sorry, the Epic Fantastical Journey of a Black Female Sci-Fi Writer. That's what this is called. So as a part of that identity, we're going to talk about issues that affect Black people. That's really legitimately like in the name of my podcast. So just FYI, that's coming. But in any case, um, aside from the craziness that is happening around the George Floyd situation, the COVID epidemic in and of itself has been transformative and evolutionary in very negative ways and then also very positive ways, both on a personal and sociological level. And to be honest, I'm still processing a lot of that. So um, the one thing that I am grateful for is that I'm still here. I'm still able to function and uh, impact people in my life positively. Um, We're happy, we're healthy, we're safe, which is good. And that's always a blessing. 
um, and I have the capacity to reflect on everything that is going on. And those minor things, those minor little things are the gratitudes that I give every day or that I try to give. Um, so that's what's going on with the COVID situation. And I'm actually going to leave the discussion for George Floyd last. That's what I want to leave us with. But for now, I'm just going to like get into personally the ways in which I've been coping as a person and as an artist with the epidemic and then with the explosive like keg powder that has been race and police brutality and institutional social oppression in this country. So we'll get to that. But a couple of things that I've been doing in addition to like writing and developing and plotting and uh, wonderful world building, which I really, really enjoy, is that um, I am getting more involved in my own hobbies that I've been wanting to get involved in for a long time, but I just haven't had the time. Now I have time. So um, there are certain things that I'm super excited about, one of which is that I have been able to develop a more consistent and involved spiritual practice. You guys know that I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in a higher power, a higher energy, a higher universe. Um, I've just personally seen the universe work its wonders in my life. So I just have no choice really, but to believe that, that there's like energy out there that's higher and above me. Um, and so I've just been focusing more on things like prayer, meditation, um, journaling, um, dream journaling and paying attention to like the things that are coming to me in dreams. I've always done that, but I'm being more deliberate about that and just really jumping and stepping into those things that give me information about how the world works and how my life works, but in a less sort of concrete way and in a more intuitive way, wherein you only pick up on that information if you're trying to hone your intuition. And so I see my developing spiritual practice as like a honing of intuition, which is really, really great. I've also been super um, getting into tarot or tarot, as most of you will call it. Um, and I really love it. I've always loved it. I've always loved um, like listening to readings and, and like seeing what the cards mean and, and how they work. But now like that, I'm like learning more intimately what each of these cards means and like thinking about like energy and distribution of energy and the giving of positivity and like the leeching of negativity out of things. Um, I find that super fascinating and, and really cool. And I also like do write urban fantasy. Um, so that has a lovely benefit of like giving me like a more direct research experience and tool which is great because one of my primary characters who's going to be in book 14. Well, she's actually going to be in like book seven of the books of Ezekiel. And then she's coming back in book 14. Semi-spoiler, but not really. Um, she deals specifically with like the occult, like things like the tarot and, um, being like a Wicca and things like that, or AKA a witch, but you know, we'll talk about that. I have no personal interest in being a Wiccan, just FYI. Um, but 
like her particular character is super cool and I love her and like starting to get into like tarot and things like that are really helping me to understand how she would maneuver the world of alchemy from her from her perspective as a Wiccan, as a witch, as someone who engages with multiple tools of divination, you know, um, but who's also like super badass and knows how to use her theosophic powers to her advantage. So that's super exciting and in more ways than one. But spiritual practice is one of the main things that I'm trying to do. And that's really helping to center me. The meditation is also really, really wonderful and helpful. And I really just am super into now like just trying to take a good 10 to 15 minutes every single morning and setting an intention, whatever it might be. Usually it's about um, cultivating peace and calm and creative abundance. That's what I really enjoy. And just setting that intention and just like literally being just with myself, my body and my breath every day is really, really wonderful. So I highly recommend it for those of you who are into meditation. Eventually I am going to move into like trying to do a little bit of like basic yoga um, but I'm not ready for that quite yet. There's certain other things I want to kind of like get the hang of and integrate into my routine. So another thing that I'm super into, and I'm going to just like show you guys this is painting. I don't know if you guys can see. Ta-da! Ta-da! Um, this really gorgeous and I'm not, I'm actually not done with it quite yet. So, um, you know, don't give me props yet, but this little baby here actually came from craftease.com. That's C-R-A-F-T-E-A-S-E.com. For those of you who are looking, not looking, if you're watching this on, I'm still getting that wrong. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you wouldn't have seen the painting I just showed you, so I'll get I'll put the video link below so you can see it and the and the timestamp. But um, craft-ease.com, lovely, beautiful, wonderful site. It is a website that offers paint by numbers paintings, wherein they give you canvas. They put the canvas on a frame for you. You have to pay a little extra for the frame, and they basically you can order a particular picture or a particular style and they will send you the canvas with the actual drawing on it and the little uh, numbers labeled for each area that you have to paint. They send you paint brushes and they send, they send you the paint pots with the labeled um, paint pot numbers. And just by painting by numbers, you can create super professional paintings and you can even do some really beautiful classics like the Mona Lisa you can do that. You can do um, The Scream by Edvard Munch. You can uh, do like other really famous paintings and artists. Um, or you can go with the indie artist, a more modern artist who has created this artwork for you to recreate on your own using paint by numbers. You can also feel free to send in like family photos and stuff like that, family portraits, and they will create a paint by numbers canvas for you with your family portrait on it so that you can actually paint your own family portrait by numbers. And it's really, really cool. And they will custom make it for you and everything. And I found painting to be extremely calming and like extremely just, I don't know, empowering in a way. Like I'm creating art and I'm like not really that good at hand art in terms of painting. 
or fine art rather. And I'm able to just like a, just like a regular schmegular girl, create a beautiful painting that you just saw just by painting by numbers. And it's just very relaxing and you just put on some music. I personally like classical music or some country music or what have you. And then just like literally follow the numbers and it's really wonderful. And I just ordered two more for myself. Um, you can probably see in the background, there's another paint by numbers canvas. That's one that me and my daughter were working on together. So that's hers. Um, and we are going to continue to do that throughout uh, the rest of the summer until it's done. So she just really enjoys doing it together. And so it's a really wonderful way for us to bond. And I really highly recommend it for you guys. Um, if you're a couple, if you're like a parent with a child, if you're just with your friends, like just get together and paint. Each one of these paintings takes at least 10 hours to do, if not 20 to 30 hours to do. So, you know, you can spend a whole month doing this painting and and it will be a lovely just sort of like escape from your day-to-day -day life. I love it. I highly recommend it. I'm going to put the link in the description box below. I am not an affiliate of them, so I'm not getting any kickbacks. I just highly enjoy the fact that I can create a beautiful masterpiece by painting by numbers. <laughs> so I'm also reading a lot, which is great. So um, I really enjoy that. Um, reading is definitely something I would like to do even more of. I do read quite a bit at this point, <laughs> but I would like to be more focused on my reading goals and um, just read more casual, fun, relaxing things nowadays and just like read things for escape. So I'm going to try to like improve that a little bit. But um, I've been doing that a lot, especially on my low energy days. If I'm feeling like tired or sad, you know, or like just like a little bit down because the world is kind of crazy, I'll read. And that really is helpful for me. It just kind of takes me out of my world for like a good hour or two. Writing, like I said, I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of creative development. And then I've also been very much on my health kick, which is having some really great results. I had been in the house for an entire month starting mid-March. And then mid-April, I was looking at myself and how I felt. And I was just like, there's no way I'm going to let myself slide down the hill after I worked so hard to get my little mommy body on point and, you know, get back to the old bad me, old, old baddie me. Um, there was no way I was going to let that backslide. Okay. So I decided to like take another step in my health journey. So I started like a fasting routine, um, definitely drinking a lot more water, doing like lemon water stuff. Um, cause that's really helpful for like detoxing, clearing out the skin, clearing out the digestive system and everything, more sleep. And more recently in the past week or so more exercise. So I had a lot of success with the fasting and the lemon water really enjoyed the results that I'm getting from that in terms of like energy, in terms of eating just less and more, um, conscientiously, although I love food, but I like to make sure I am not over like overdoing it. And then after I got those two things on point, I then moved into exercising, which I've been doing pretty consistently, at least for the past week. So let's not get too excited about the exercise thus far. Ask me again in a month or two if that's still an actual habit, okay? Um, hopefully it will be. I'm trying to make it some, so that it is. Me and my family are like actually doing it together. So it's really helpful. 
Um, and then also one of the biggest benefits from me trying to figure out like how to relieve stress and like just keep myself busy is that I've been seriously looking into gardening and doing my research and figuring out um, how I can sort of transform the little land that we have here into an actual garden. And I've decided for absolutely like positively, I'm absolutely positively sure that I eventually want to work toward having my own mini micro homestead. Not anything too major. I mean, even a quarter acre is fine with me. Um, but I definitely want to grow my own vegetables, my own fruits, maybe have like a couple of trees, definitely do some honey cane, honey cane. Oh my God. Some sugar cane. <laughs> Can I not speak today? I'm just like, I'm just not on point. Some sugar cane. I was thinking honeycomb, um, which would be nice, but honestly, like I'm just, I don't have the beekeeper spirit. Like I love bees, but I don't like the fact that they sting. So <laughs> as much as I would love to have my own honey and honeycomb, and I've been thinking about it, probably not. So that's where the honey cane came from. But sugar cane, definitely. Um, and, that, and then also like just bringing flowers into it so I can beautify the garden. And also having chickens and rabbits. Not too many, you know, maybe like four or five each max. Like I don't, how many chickens do you really need? Um, especially when they start laying eggs, that's like four eggs a day. That's a lot of eggs per week. So who needs all of that? <laughs> who needs all those eggs? I don't, I love eggs, but not that much. Um, so that's something that I am starting off on a very, very, very small scale now to build towards having my own micro homestead down South within the next five to 10 years. And so, um, that's something that's definitely happening that I'm putting into my life plan. Um, I also am very strongly, um, passionate at this point about getting away from the city and moving down South, specifically probably towards Georgia. I was really about Montana, um, like months and months back. And I still think Montana is so super gorgeous, but I also think the South can give me a lot of what I wanted out of Montana without putting me all the way on the West Coast that's like super away from everybody that I know and care about. So Georgia seems like a really lovely compromise. And so I'm now working towards that. So in many ways, like I said before, like the pandemic has been horrifying and terrible um, and scary and life-changing. Um, and life destroying, but at the same time that it's burning out the fields of what we have already sown, it's also going to leave behind a lot of um, kind of like silt-like ash, I would say, silt-like ash in which we can sort of plant the seeds of like our new beginnings. And I'm not really trying to be poetic, but I really just think of it that way whenever I think of myself starting a new endeavor. Like what I've sort of started to envision in my mind is a dark star-filled sky with like dark, gorgeous, rich, super dark brown soil on the ground. And like me taking certain ideas or wishes and hopes and dreams and imagine them as like a brightly colored, brightly burning seed and planting it deep in that soil and then letting it grow. 
that's sort of what I think about when I like meditate. And so when I think about what we could be doing in our lives now to effect change for ourselves and the world in the future, I think about us taking an idea and thinking of it as a seed and planting that seed, watering that seed, cultivating that seed, loving that seed until it grows into the flower or fruit that you desire. So yeah, as you can see, that's the spirituality kind of coming through now. So these are things that I've been definitely jumping on and trying to integrate into my day-to-day -day life. And in many ways, me picking up these hobbies and learning all these new things have given me a richer life because I still have my full-time job. Um, I still have the pleasure of um, teaching and educating and impacting my kids at work. But I also now have the pleasure of cultivating my own interests and engaging in my own self-care and a deeper sense and form of self-love um, and wellness that I was not able to engage in before because I was just so busy and I had commutes and I had all these other things to think about. So those are sort of the positive things that have been happening in my life in terms of how I've been dealing with COVID and how it's helped me to cultivate a richer more full, more satisfied, more creative, intuitive, happier me. And so in that way, like I'm really happy. I've been able to work on myself for the past three months in that way. Having said that, okay, the month of May, to be very honest with you, this past month has been the hardest month in a very, very long time. Um, and I'm not going to really reveal everything that's happened this month, but when I say almost pretty much almost everything and anything that could have gone wrong, went wrong in every aspect of life, just everything, <laughs> everything, um, literally starting like the day the month began on May 1st to May 2nd to May 4th to May 7th to May 10th, like literally like every two to three days, something horrible happened where I was just completely like bulldozed and devastated. <laughs> and it was like, damn universe, like I'm just over here minding my business, trying to garden, trying to like, you know, learn how to make pie, <laughs> trying to paint trying to write these novels and these screenplays, you know, trying to work my theater teaching job full time and impact these kids in a positive way and impact myself positively and the school positively. I'm just over here minding my business. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you bringing this into my life? Were legit the words that I asked myself almost every single day in May. So, um, and in many ways, I'm still reeling from a lot of the things that have been going on this month. And um, I'm still healing and trying to honestly look at my losses, look at like those burned fields that like got struck by lightning and just burned all the way to the soil. Just looking at those fields and not even replanting seeds in those fields, like just honestly just moving forward, you know. And I'm a person who generally has like a lot of hope and dreams and is really optimistic and 
I always think that there's an opportunity to turn anything and everything around. But in every single one of these situations, and this is going to sound really like whatever, but in every single one of these situations that has been happening, I don't really have much control over anything in those situations but myself. And so I'm thinking of like four particular, like when I say like there was four different things happening, four particular situations wherein I did all that I could, I think, to build bridges, make something work, you know, show my value, show my love, show my caring. And sometimes y'all like, you just got to like leave the pieces on the floor, like Tupac says, and move forward because certain situations are not going to be conducive to you as they are. And so to a certain extent, I think everyone, like men, women, children, institutions, societies, uh, social groups, mesosocial groups, everyone's going through this burning down of their fields and is trying to sort of decide what new seeds to plant in the ashes, in the silt-like ashes of their lives. And you got to let people plant their own gardens. <laughs> you got to let people deal with their own stuff. And you have to let institutions deal with their own stuff. Sometimes you have to let institutions and people burn down. And before I get too more, much more in depth into my own life, that brings me into the final thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the George Floyd situation. Because we're talking about things burning down and us planting new seeds in the silt-like ash of our lives and of the silt-like ash of these institutions. And I guess, I don't know, the universe took that perspective super serious because the United States of America is literally on fire right now in like 12 different cities because yet another unarmed black male black person, because black women get affected by this as well, was killed, murdered in my opinion, in custody, in police custody, where this police officer put his entire body weight on George Floyd's neck as he was handcuffed, face down on the ground, and the man was putting his entire weight into his knee on this man's neck and leaned his entire weight onto him for a good seven to eight minutes until this man died. And now we're tired. We're tired. <laughs> we're so tired. Only a, a week or so ago, we had a young black woman who was legit just sleeping in her own apartment and the police burst in and shot her in her bed model citizen model citizen just sleeping like legit just like taking a whole nap and she was shot and killed by police because of a mistaken identity and we're tired. I'm tired. 
And I, the worst part about being tired and being pissed off and upset is that in the age of coronavirus, we don't even have any constructive outlets, really. Most of us, well, let's put it this way. We were stuck in our houses and then we said to hell with COVID and we took to the streets after these incidents incidents happened. And in some ways, of course, it's a good thing, the demonstrations, the protests, the pushback. And in other cases, I'm just very concerned because the black and brown community have been the most they have been the most heavily impacted by the COVID epidemic because of our asymmetrical access to healthcare. And yet we are the ones who have to go out and march by the hundreds and thousands to try to push this change for police and other entities to stop killing us. And in the process are further exposing ourselves to the COVID disease. So we might end up dying anyway, whether or not we get arrested or get gunned down by the cops. And it just feels like a really horrible, double, triple-edged sword. And that's really, that's really challenging. That's really challenging and that's really hard. So um, we're gonna keep going. We're going to keep pushing and we're gonna keep telling the world that our lives matter regardless, regardless. And y'all can just stay mad about it. Those of you who don't think that our lives matter. And if you're on some all lives matter stuff, like that's cool and that's cute for you, but you need to keep that same energy the entire year, not just one of us, not just when one of us is gunned down or hurt or shot or abused or oppressed and we have something to say about it. You need to be on your all lives matter swag 365 days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what you need to do. But I'm very suspicious in giving you a side eye if you only tweet out all lives mattering when I say that my life matters. And the lives of black and brown people matter. So... Like I said, keep that same energy for those of you who are feeling a little bit triggered by what I'm saying. And Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter, excuse me, that movement is not obviously not just saying only our lives matter. We The hashtag is not only Black Lives Matter. The hashtag is Black Lives Matter. Um, But those of you who have like an interrogative intelligence and awareness of the world around you already understand that. I'm really just saying that to others of you who might, again, be feeling triggered and upset and sad that like black lives are important. Um, and 
personally, like I, with protests and rioting and looting, you know, I'm of two minds about it. Of course, half of me doesn't support that. Half I, I support protesting. Let's get that clear. The rioting, the looting is very hard for me sometimes to support it because I know that ultimately it's not going to do anything except further demonize us. At the same time, we don't really have to do anything to be demonized. So what difference does it make is what the other half of my side says. And the other half of that also says we try to talk about these issues peacefully, respectfully, intelligently, critically. We have think pieces. We have town halls. We have meetings. We have marches. We have an entire civil rights movement. We push laws. We write books. We make podcasts. We have TV shows. And you're still not listening. You're still not hearing us. So at what point are you going to start to listen? Is that when things have to start burning? Is that when you're going to listen? Is my question. Because it seems like people weren't paying attention really until things started to burn. And in that case, I say Dracarys. That's all I have to say about that. So again, I'm of two minds with that regard, in that regard. And I don't feel sad about it. I feel okay with that. So those are the complicated emotions and feelings that I'm dealing with right now. And I know that a lot of you are also dealing with a lot of anger, frustration, fatigue, terror, helplessness, hopelessness, powerlessness. It's all there. And because I like leaving things not it isn't not on a positive note. Like we don't need to be all smiley rainbow puppies barking in the wind or whatever about this at all. But I do believe that having an action plan and being able to do something no matter how small is really important for helping us not only to cope with how crazy and messed up the world is, but also helps us to change how crazy and messed up the world is. So in terms of the things that I'm going to start doing on a personal, creative, and professional level to help push this change, these are the things I'm going to do. The first is that I need to maintain my support, love, and presence for my kids at school, for my kids' families and parents and guardians, for my colleagues who are going through this and dealing with this and still have to show up to work and be present, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to be involved and invested in helping us to collectively unpack this on an emotional, intellectual, and spiritual level and political level. I'm also, for my educational institutional side of me, really want to start activating my scholars in my homeroom to take minute action, to teach them how to write a letter to a congressman or a senator, to teach them how to call their local um, representatives, ombudsmen, again, their um, the House, the Senate, and advocate for those issues that are important to them, to impress upon them how important it is to vote, to get them a list of the local town halls and meetings with their ombudsman who represent them so that they can actually get issues on the table and get them in front of these reps 
so that they can change these issues. Even something as simple as getting a traffic light installed at a busy intersection where lots of kids go through or getting a speed bump put in somewhere or, you know, getting a lot in their neighborhood cleaned up and turned into a local garden. Things like that are very important on a small scale so that we can teach our children how to basically organize and do concrete things to push change. So when they learn how to achieve these things on a smaller micro-social level and push smaller concrete change, then they can move on to the bigger things and try to net the bigger fish. And it's my job as someone who is an adult, who's a professional, who's in the educational system that is responsible for getting our kids activated and, and educated on these issues, it's my responsibility to give them those tools to fight back on a political level so that they don't feel that protesting is the only thing that they can do. They can do that, but they can do other things as well. So that they don't feel as though tagging a store or throwing Molotov cocktails are the only ways to effect change. Again, those two sides of me make me not so critical of the Molotov cocktails at this point. No cap, no shade. At the same time, we need to be able to build and create if we also know how to destroy. We have to have those two skill sets or it's not going to work. So that's what I'm going to do as a professional. As a colleague, I'm going to continue to be there for my other colleagues and my peers and engage in these discussions um, and be constructive, but also be real and to be um, critical of our institutions and of self and of those issues that need the critique. And then as a person and as an, as actually as an artist, let's go there, I'm going to continue creating. And not only am I gonna continue creating my novels, my screenplays, my teleplays, designing and preparing to shoot my films, etc. I'm going to pass on those entrepreneurial creative skills to my kids and to anybody else who needs to have them. Because I don't care what people say. Media, at least because that's the creative field that I'm in, media is very powerful. Media is what informs people of the importance of one thing over another. Media is what impacts how people see me as a black person, as a black woman. A lot of people in the world and in our country only have interactions with people of color through television, through radio, through music, through novels, um, through film, um, you know, just through media. A lot of people don't have diverse groups of friends. And so a lot of what they believe about Black people is essentially mythology that has never been debunked because they have not gone out of their circle, okay? And I'm going to, in my own way, contribute to the improvement of that mythology, wherein we're not only thugs, drug dealers, bad people, thieves, rapists, Jezebels, uh, you know, angry Black women, you know, neck neck moving, gum popping, you know, angry, 
women of color. Those things are certainly tropes that exist in certain pockets, just like with any other race, but that's not who we are. And the only way that people are going to know who we are as Black people is to introduce them to who we are through their main contact with us, which is media. And that's why for me, building up Rebel Ragdoll Press, Rebel Ragdoll Productions, The Bohemian Badass, Chick Rogue Studios, which is designed to impact and increase the um, presence of people of color, women of color in media, in front of the camera and behind the camera. That is why we exist. That is why I want to build my own media empire from the bottom up. It's not just about my creativity and my love for creating and um, me wanting to own and run stuff. That's part of it because I really do want to run my own badass vampire, okay? Let's not get it twisted. But there's a reason behind my specific mission statement. There's a reason why Rebel Ragdoll Press, the logo is a black female in a dystopian gas mask with Afro puffs because you don't see us at the forefront of that kind of um, survival lit in that way. When Hunger Games and Divergent and all these other really wonderful kind of um, dystopian trilogies are breaking records out there, you don't see black people at the forefront. We're always at the back as a support. We're never the heroes. In my stories... We are always the hero. The worlds themselves are very diverse. As you guys would know if you read my stuff, like I have every single race almost under the sun at this point. But despite the diversity, the main character is always going to be a black female. And that's whether it's dystopian, romance, um, urban fantasy, like action thriller, action adventure. I don't care what it is. It's always going to be a black female and about her life and her issues and her humanity. And by doing things like that and presenting it to the world as an artist, that is how I choose to impact the Black Lives Matter movement, not just from a political or educational and institutional level, but from a media perspective and quite frankly, from a media propaganda level, because that's really all media is. You're either being informed, entertained, or being told what to think. Okay, that's pretty much the three functions right now of media. And then personally, how I'm going to combat this on just a very personal level is just to take care of myself, love myself, um, be gentle with myself, and try my very best to live my very best life. Because that is the most rebellious act that one can achieve in a society that clearly doesn't want you to be living at all is to be living your best life. So having said that, y'all, um, may, may, may we move forward into better times very quickly. I, I That is literally my prayer for the month. Can we move forward into better times? Um, March and April, you know, they were, they were rough. You know what I'm saying? We had a whole pandemic happening. May has just been, at least for me personally, just trash from the first all the way literally up until yesterday. Every single day was pretty much trash. Heartbreaking, life-shattering, like stability-upending, soul-destroying trash. And although I'm coming out of it a stronger person, 
I really need June to be better. It's my birthday month, you know, cancers go cancers, okay? Um, and what I'm going to try to do is, like I said, on a personal level, live my best life, go deeper into my spirituality, do more of my hobbies, smile, be happy, try to impact and love on other people, regardless of where they are in their journeys. Just like the answer is always love, love, love. That's always the answer. Um, and um, to be out here and just being a better person, living my life and trying to help others live their best lives. So that's all I got for you guys. Um, you know, regardless, Colby is doing fine. Colby will be always be fine. <laughs> Even though I can't really talk that, that well on this podcast. I don't know what's going on. I have like, I don't know. I don't know. It, life is just kind of cray cray right now. So I'm just going to be forgiving and loving of myself and post this entire podcast as is. Yes, ma'am. Um, but I will see you guys as soon as I can. You'll probably get another podcast from me either by June 15th or after my birthday is over, to be really honest with you, because we're coming into finals in this last month, last two weeks of instruction. So we have to be on point um, and make sure that everything is the way it needs to be at work. And of course, I need to maintain my momentum creatively as well. So Whew. All right, guys, I'm going to sign off. But what I want you guys to do is take care of yourselves as well. Take care of the people that you love. Um, be inherently critical of the world around you. Be interrogative. Challenge yourself. Challenge others. And always lead with love. And of course, of course, keep creating. Keep it indie. Stay badass. And I will talk to you guys next time. Mwah. Bye.